From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. James, we're back for another episode, and I think this is one that you will find uh, is near and dear to you. We're going to be talking a little bit about security today. And before we get started, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Steve, and it's great to be back. And for some odd reason, I do like this topic, even though I am not a security expert. It seems to be something I'm really into. And I think so is the industry. And and if they're not, they need to be. So it's, it's becoming a, a hot topic. You and I have discussed this on other podcasts. I know that you've written about it. I've actually, I'm sure we've discussed it here and there throughout our uh, 40 plus episodes, but and today we're, we're going to dig in a little bit more. And um, what, one thing that you brought up when we were talking about getting this episode planned is the concept of zero trust. So I just wanted to see if you can share a little bit about that and, and what it means to organizations. Uh, sure. Um, so I had, I've heard the term zero trust before, but I, met, I got really thinking about it after Infocom. And I went to a session where they had a class on zero trust architecture. Um, and it really got me thinking because the, the concept of zero trust is you trust nobody. Um, they said in this session that about 35% are our threat actors are within our walls already. So putting up firewalls, putting up VLANs are great for keeping the outside out. But when your threats are already inside your wall and might even have access to those, then that doesn't, those, they don't do you any good. And you still got to account for those. Um, a good example of the way I was thinking of this and I'm trying to figure out how to do this in our environment programmatically is, for example, we have our faculty can turn on the projectors. No problem. This is great. We could probably set it that you have to put a passcode, but that's a little intrusive for a classroom. But our classes are normally from eight till 10 o'clock. So if they get a command at 3 a.m., that should be a red flag right there saying, hey, something wrong here. And we need to not allow that command to go and take a look at it. And that's really where I'm trying to get my head into the zero trust is we you need to authenticate and authorize each time almost hmm. yeah i i can only imagine too in in an environment like yours where you have a lot of people coming and going and you also have a lot of curious students and not to say that uh, the students are somebody that are going to do something malicious, but sometimes they're bored and, and it's something that should be thought of. At least I I've come across that in, in my dealings. Um, but what, what you're saying makes a lot of sense too, in, in that if something odd is happening, tracking down or at least logging it or, or being able to understand where it's coming from, because chances are that that command or that, person that's trying to access the system shouldn't be at that time a hundred percent that's um what we kind of got to be mindful of and there's always going to be security risk we're always going to face it 
as the saying goes, it's not if you're going to get attacked, it's when you're going to get attacked and hacked. Uh, it will happen. Everyone's, I mean, as we say, 35% already are in your walls. And they could be, especially in my environment, it could be a student, it could be a faculty member, it could be staff member, it could be a member of my team. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, who knows um, where that threat be. And, you know, I'll even admit, could be me. I could make a mistake and open up a door that allowed uh, the uh, back door into our systems. Uh, as I always say, humans are the weakest link in security. Uh, so having zero trust is something that is new to me, but it really piqued my interest. I guess the question is, how do we take something like that that may be a common uh, solution in the IT world and bring that over to AV and make it so that it's not too cumbersome, as you mentioned. So um, if, if I could think back to the early days of what we considered security then was we needed to put a passcode of four digits that was uh, pretty much a, a fixed known entity to be able to enter as, access a system that everybody got to know is pretty much the, the week that it was put in. Um, we've come a long way from that. Uh, how, how do we, how do we actually ma- do uh, authentication and and use the right security within an AV system? And I guess it come that question is probably twofold because it applies to the users, and it also then applies to somebody who's trying to manage or maintain the systems. Uh, yeah, I you hit it there where. It's kind of twofold. Uh, for example, like especially in my environment, we will never get away with having faculty members log into the AV system every class. It's too cumbersome. Um, security by nature is um, hassle. It's a pain. It's it's supposed to be. It's supposed to prevent people from doing things that they're not supposed to be doing. So. I'm trying to think of this more on the programming side um, with how making sure that our system, our code only is limited to what it needs to do. Um, another example I'm kind of looking at is the recent um, log J, a uh, log four jet um, that script was basically just a logging script, if I'm understanding it correctly. But it seemed that the programmer of it added additional functionality to it and people to exploit that additional functionality. And I could be saying it wrong. So listeners, if I am completely wrong, let me know. Uh, I'll admit I could be completely uh, wrong there. But that's why I'm trying to reevaluate my code and make sure that there is no way... No way, I can't say that, but it is very unlikely for malicious code to be put in to execute something that shouldn't be going on. So it, it, if we, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about today was best practices too, when we're talking about from a business standpoint, because from my perspective, I, I come at it a little bit differently. And the reason I'm 
um, I'm thinking this is a good segue is because a lot of the contracts that we sign when we have to do, when we're doing development work or, or project work says very clearly, you know, you're, you're not allowed to put any time bombs or worms and, or any of these, uh, the, these backdoor um, devices in your code that may cause something to happen that is not expected. And it kind of speaks to what you're saying. You know, it could be anything from an Easter egg. It could be something that, you know, way back when they used to um, say that if you didn't pay your your final invoice, that some you would shut down the usage of your system. So, so these are all um, now being named and called out in contracts. And, and I think it's also making a lot uh, more of, of of a impact too when it comes to making sure that contractors and software developers and and anybody who's working in an environment is is not only following best practices but is is very clear on the fact that there are rules now and and i i don't know if you have any experience there uh but i think it's something that that that's where i see our industry really growing up these days um, I don't have any experience, but I do agree with you that our industry is growing up. Um, I actually just wrote about this for my January article, and I talked about how a year ago, uh, Flash was end of life, but Adobe completely killed it. It was done. The alerts were out three years prior to that. And in my experience, manufacturers were then scrambling what to do like oh we gotta do this some people say don't update systems other people say do this here's a workaround blah like all these not i would say secure ways doing things um but then log the log 4j came out and within i would say 24 to 48 hours i've saw multiple manufacturers go Here's what it is. Here is how it affects us. And if our products are affected, here how you fix it. And that was in within one year compared to what Flash and this Log4j. And I think that shows great growth in the AV industry and taking security very seriously. So I guess the question that I would ask, and I wonder if others are thinking, is why? What, what, what's happened in that year? Do you think it's something that has been a, a, uh, a process of more awareness or is it something where more companies have been strong-armed to be compliant? Is it that, that the, the requirements have, have strengthened and, and um, the, we're, we're demanding more from manufacturers or, or others? I, I think our tech managers in whatever field you are, your corporate, uh, higher ed, uh, resi, your, your manager of the equipments are becoming um, smarter and they're understanding more of what's going on. And as we have said, AV is IT, or at least I have said that, and IT folks are now getting more involved with AV equipment, not just because it's on the network, but is because it's on the network and are saying, hey, your equipment needs to meet our standard 
so you can work. And I think that really pushed manufacturers. Plus, I'm seeing a lot of um, industry taking on security and topic. Um, as I mentioned, the Zero Trust, plus a couple other sessions I took at Infocom this year was on security. Um, then also, I know Hatma had a security um, panel during their session. Um, I know AV Nation and the state of control, AV Week, there's been talk of security. There's been Ray Pub has posted security articles, AV Nation. I mean, you look at all these uh, publications, besides even the higher ed digital magazine with my uh, publication, people are talking about security. So I think it's there. It's more forefront and manufacturers are listening, which is smart on their part and saying we need to address this and we need to be public about it it's not you know like oh there's a backdoor in our system we're going to quietly hide and fix that they're coming out and say hey this is a problem here how you fixed it i i think that that's very admirable and i also applaud the tech tech managers and and you being one of them for for pushing the industry to be better, because I think that that's really what's happened over the, the, the years. And to your point, there's a, there's a, an awareness, there's greater education, and there's also a, a, a demand for raising the bar. So th this is all going to make us all better and make people take the AV industry a lot more seriously. I, 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 um, I think we'll, we'll probably wrap this one up, but, but in a future episode, we will definitely talk a little bit about how manufacturers have responded to, because I've, I've had some experience where the device control requirements have changed, especially for devices on the network to be more security conscious. So that's a little tease for uh, others to, to listeners to stay tuned and, and hear more about this topic. Um, James, how can people get in touch with you and uh, learn more, more what you're up to? Um, you can reach me on Twitter, AV underscore James King. I'm on LinkedIn, not as active, but I'm on there. As mentioned, I do write for the Higher Ed Digital Magazine, the IT and AV column that comes out monthly. You can find me on this weekly podcast. You can find me on AV Life. I'm almost everywhere on the internet. You can find me. I like to hear it. And, uh, and if you want to chat with them, you can check them out on Sundays on AV and the AM as well. Um, for me, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media as well on Sundays mornings on AV and the AM. Uh, most often, uh, but, but not, not uh, as active the last couple of weeks, but um, you can also read my writings on AV Network as well as my company blog at controlconcepts.net. I wanted to just say thank you to uh, all the listeners and everybody who's been downloading our show because we recently passed uh, 1,000 downloads and we're excited about that. And uh, we're only in uh, episode 43 now. So we, we think that there's a lot more to come and we, we want to hear your feedback and learn more about what we can be providing because soon we're going to run out of some topics if we don't hear from you. So please uh, continue to share and to let us know uh, what you think. And we, we want to make this 
uh, into a community that is going to be thriving and, and supporting programmers and those who care about programming. So uh, that's what we have for today. And this is Ask the Programmer.